Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferny, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Courtney Staples and Ian Woodworth. Ian, thanks again for joining us from your regularly scheduled podcast, Under Common Taste. It is greatly appreciated that you're here with us today. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be back, and I'm glad that it didn't take a year and a half this time. <laughs> yes, yes. Same here. Same here. And this time, we're doing a little bit of a jam, so it's a little bit different from the last time we had you on. We were just talking about spooky woad stuff and all that. So very excited to get us going. And speaking of jams, yes, you are hearing this right. We're here to do a full-on jam session today. Due to some scheduling conflicts and some unfortunate health issues, we've had to juggle and uh, reschedule some things. So that's the reason that you're not hearing part two of our previous series. That's coming eventually, I promise. With all that said and all of that out of the way, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, uh, don't go on Twitter right now, I guess. I know I made that joke last time. Yeah, it's still relevant. Uh, So instead... Abandon Twitter. Embrace Discord. Discord is where you'll find us. We're always there chatting. We're always hanging out. Come chat with our patrons, non-patrons. If you want to come introduce your own fantasy setting or fantastical setting, doesn't necessarily have to be fantasy, you can do so. We've got threads and forums set up for that in the Discord. Click the link in the description of the episode if you want to come visit and hang out. And of course, we couldn't do this without our beloved patrons. A huge thank you to all of our patrons. And if you want to be incredibly generous yourself and become a member of the Aphid Lounge, you can always go to our Patreon, click the link, give us money, and get sweet, sweet access to our bonus episodes, early episodes, and all sorts of other goodies, including a uh, patron-only Discord chat. So with all of that out of the way, the shilling's done. Let's get into the jam. Uh, I've not told my co-host this yet, but I've made some changes to the jam just a little bit. Uh-oh. No, no, it's not bad at all. It's just I'm sure. more. It's just more. Okay? okay. I was looking at some of the things. I'm like, we need more of this. And thus, you'll see that hopefully in the jam. So it's more of a preserve than a jam now. Oh, oh man, that's good. That's, that's oh, why? Oh boy. Okay. All right. With all that, let's go ahead and roll, roll some dice. So the first thing that we're focusing on is, of course, genre. So the setting for this particular world, the genre is going to be weird fantasy. Oh my! Very okay. The theme for this particular setting is going to be the mundane. Oh boy, it has been happening quite a bit lately where we'll get something that's like utterly fantastical and then the theme is the mundane. Yeah. So especially with weird fantasy, I'm really curious as to how this kind of rolls out. And finally, the first thing that we're focusing on within this setting is... A very important place. So, Ian, 
you're still technically more of a guest than Courtney is. So you're going to start. Us <laughs> off today. Uh, why don't you tell us, what are you thinking? We've got weird fantasy with a theme of the mundane. And the first thing that we're focusing on is a very important place. Uh, explain to me why it is or is not a pizza place. And then we can go from there. See, the, the first thing that came to mind was a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. Um, mm. But it needs to be weirder than that. Yes, yes, it does. I completely agree with that. It needs yeah. to be so much weirder than that. And uh, let's see, where can we go with this? Um, well, someplace boring because it's got to be the mundane. So, but But does the place need to be mundane or does the protagonist need to be mundane? Oh, see, now yeah. now you're getting fancy on us see, here. Ian. See, because I think I think having a mundane protagonist that's just suddenly thrust into this very bizarre world could make a very interesting premise for a story. So we're going isekai with this then, basically. Yeah, sort of, sort of a almost like a portal fiction exactly. sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay. I can tentatively support this concept. Let's see how it goes, though. Let's see. Because... I, I love the idea of doing mundane things in very fantastical settings. That's one of my favorite things to talk about, actually. So, I mean, where are we going with this? Maybe we should define the ultra weird before we define the mundane. So do you want to start us off there, perhaps? Or would you rather start us off with the mundane? I don't know. I'm just trying to trying to figure out where to where to really even begin with this. Mm -hmm. I, I almost want the mundane to be comically mundane mm. like like an insurance salesman sure yeah. sure or 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 you know like a middle school math teacher <laughs> i like that mm. yeah okay this sounds fun being a yeah. school teacher in a wildly fantastical setting remember we're talking weird fantasy here so. or or possibly even possibly even like it's a school field trip that has gotten stranded Ooh. in weird fantasy land and they have to figure out how to get back. Yeah. I was thinking like magic school bus type thing. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where my brain went to. Inverting yeah. the magic school bus mm -hmm. to where it is a completely normal bus with a completely normal teacher and a whole bunch of normal 13 year olds. And they just plop out in this bizarre, you know, Lisa Frank fantasy world. Hmm. <laughs> Um, if we're going Lisa Frank, I would prefer nihilist Lisa Frank personally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, let's let's roll with that. Like, what about that is interesting and evocative, and how can we make it interesting? And what kind of stories can we tell with this? Like, is the idea is this idea that like tourism is the thing, right? Like, where we're we're just focusing on like the tour guides, maybe of these broken down school buses or something like that like what are we thinking in terms of uh setting and scope here i do like the focus on the single teacher and their class because that's not something you often see in this sort of fantasy usually it's like a single person who goes through to some new world but bringing like an entire school bus full of children brings mm -hmm. another element to it like more chaos more wrangling these mm. kids, uh, making sure that they don't run off and get killed by something. But yeah, I'm curious, like, yeah, is this the first time that somebody from the regular world has come through? Or is this like, like you were kind of implying, Rob, is this like a occurrence that happens more frequently? 
Yeah, I, I kind of have it in my mind that this is like a cottage industry type thing. It's kind of like when you have a tour guide who's seen the most beautiful sights in all the world to the point where it becomes kind of mundane to them, right? Like I grew up in a touristy beach town and as a result, like find that to be like very blase and like what, like it's obviously beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but like compared to other people who are like, it's this magical place. As soon as I cross that bridge, I just melt into my seat and I know that I'm home. And it's like, nah, bro, that's just like a place where like people do heroin and it's kind of bleak and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Like completely different approaches. So that might be an interesting kind of approach to this dichotomy between ultra weird and mundane, you know? Okay. Of course, now the trouble is we need to define it and we yeah. need to like right. make it interesting in some way because we can't be like, well, think of something wacky, but then not like that's not how this works. We mm. need to be more specific. We so do. let's think about something that's thematically appropriate. Like if this is a destination for teachers and children, it's got to be educational in some way. Right. So maybe we need to suss that out and figure out why it's educational to these particular people and then go from there. See, I, I like the, I like the thought that this particular school bus with this class accidentally joined into this and that this is normally sort of a thing that like the homeschool parents take their kids to <laughs> because I, I don't know if you've met very many kids who have gone through homeschool programs, at least here in Appalachia, they tend to be a little bit odd. Mm. And so that could explain the oddness of the homeschool crowd whenever, you know, a bus with a whole bunch of public school seventh graders just plops in here and suddenly they see all of the th things that the odd kids have gotten used to. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that idea. I like where that's going. So you're suggesting that the homeschool kids look and are perhaps very strange. And may, well, maybe, maybe there's a mirror being held up, right? Maybe. Yeah, I, I think that it's, it's just like a little bit of it is rubbing off on them. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's like you said, is like that bridge isn't a magical transition point. It's the place where no, the junkies go to do heroin. Right. <laughs> so, well, let, let's let's use that, though. Also, now that now that we've mentioned the bridge, I feel like that has to be a thing now. Like, absolutely. Like, yeah. We've yeah. now manifested a bridge over to something. Right. Yeah. I'm picturing like a, a covered bridge, like that old. Style. It's always a covered bridge. Yeah. Of course, it's a god. The bus takes bridge. a wrong turn and gets to this bridge. And that's what takes them over. Mm hmm. Is it to Terabithia? Because, you know, like that's where my brain, <laughs> when I hear bridge two, I'm like, yeah. okay, it's not Madison County, so it's got to be Terabithia. Um, so, all right, let, let's go back to thematics, right? Yeah. So we've got this bridge. The bridge is what separates this very weird fiction compared to the mundane world. I like the idea that what we're approaching here is this kind of mirror where the mundane is fantastical to the other. So I like the idea that the kids on the school bus are fascinated, horrified, and all the other weirdness that comes with it. And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, the, the homeschool kids looking at that school bus are equally 
fascinated, disgusted, and in awe. You know, I think that'd be a fun kind of play. So again, what's weird and fantastical about the different settings? So I have a friend of mine who is a middle school teacher. And one of the things that she jokes about with her classes is referring to them as pupa because they they're in that transitional stage between childhood and adulthood where they smell funny and no one likes to be around them, even themselves. Mm-hmm. And so let's almost make that literal. Oh yeah. yeah there you I go. Like so, that. so that the, the native inhabitants of this weird world have literal life stages. So where, you know, whenever they're in their adolescence, they have a stage where they pupate and then they end up emerging as adults at the end. I love that idea. Me too. Can we, can we mess around with the kind of gestation period that they have? So even in a brief kind of uh, field trip length trip, they see an entire lifetime like evolve in front of them. So it's like, I'm, I'm not suggesting that time works different here. I'm suggesting that the lifetime of these sentient beings on the other side of this bridge is so short that you literally watch them essentially mutate and like grow and change the like within the span of mm. one field trip. So they are like house flies, basically. Essentially, yeah. Or you can watch them over the course of like a day or so. Yeah, I, a- absolutely. I, I think that'd be fun and horrible, you know, like <laughs> very horrible because then you get to play with like the themes of like growing up and aging and stuff like that within mm-hmm. that kind of teenage hormone. Like we're basically writing YA isekai mixed with body horror, but like yeah. actually that's kind of basically what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like Cronenberg's the fly meets it, it meets like 16 candles or like a John mm-hmm. Waters movie. Right. Like that's basically what we're doing where it's pretty in pink, but it's pretty in pupa or something like that, (laughs) where it's, it's about like change and growth and stuff like that. But in this case, it's like literal mutation or literal, you know, like transformation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we, we could do that. Their entire life cycle is accelerated, or we could just do that. You know, they have, this short transitional period between childhood and adulthood where they're children for a, for a good long while. And then all of a sudden at this one particular time, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's an event. They have a big festival for it. And all the kids who are about to, you know, undergo the change, it's almost like a cinquenera. And so they have this big party and they get the fancy clothes. And, and then all of a sudden they, they metamorphose into this pupil stage. And then, by the end of the field trip, they have completed their transformation and have emerged as adults. And then in that case, you could draw a whole bunch of parallels within the kids from this mundane class group, you know, because Mm -hmm. they are at that transitional stage in their life where they're trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do with my life? You know, what, who am I? What am I? And so it gives you a narrative tool to use as a lens to analyze the development of these kids Mm -hmm. in this class. And so whenever they come back, you know, maybe not all of them do come back. Maybe one or two of them Mm -hmm. decide to stay behind, you know, because all of these portal stories end up with somebody choosing to stay behind. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. 
and Ian, what I love about that thematically, right? Like I'm thinking about this as, okay, so you, these pupa creatures, they essentially have their entire teenage years in the span of like, let's say a day or a week or something like that. It's an incredibly short period of time, right? Right. Yeah. Like 48 hours. Right. Something, something like that. So the mirror that I was talking about comes in where uh, the pupa creatures, they're like, I wish that I had more time to like transform and learn who I am because it's so short. And then the teenagers in response, like they see, like, it's very much like coming to terms with your own coming of age, but like watching Mm -hmm. it through someone who you've kind of like come to learn and understand or know or something like that. Right. Because whenever you're whenever you're first going into puberty, you're just like, can this fucking be over? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure that the that stranded bus full of kids are probably feeling a lot of that angst and feeling that kind of like, oh, God, this is awful. And I want it to be done mm-hmm. with. And yeah. then they see like, oh, this is what happens when you become an adult mothman or whatever the fuck it is, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's like, oh, wow. No, maybe I should cherish this just a little bit more. Um, but also I don't know how I grew these like pupa wings and now I've got like this weird exoskeleton or something like that, where it's like, you really are blending that kind of really weird fiction. This is okay. This isn't weird fantasy. This is weird YA. And I'm totally okay with that. I just want to toss that out there. Well, the YA can be fantasy. They're not mutually exclusive. No, 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 no. But weird (laughs) fantasy is a very specific subgenre, And this is like, yeah even more niche than that you know well, how I mean? would you how would you define weird fantasy in particular uh oh boy uh i, I this is why we have daniel here so he's <laughs> i know he's right? the one who cares more about definitions and specificity where i'm really more of like a broad strokes type of person mm-hmm. so this is a part where we'll just have Daniel record like a little something. Um, or <laughs> if we don't do that, then you can fucking Google it and just do that. So yeah, that's my answer. Courtney ask Daniel. Okay. But this, this story as, as we're developing it now definitely also has um, aspects of magical realism coming into it now too. Yeah. definitely. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Especially with the tourism part, right? Like it's, yeah, this is a world where this is expected. Like you go to learn about puberty by going and watching this like kind of pupa stage, you know? And, you know, in, in magical realism, typically there is the mundane. It's just not featured in the story. It is somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so the somewhere else is the place that this bus full of kids has come from. Uh, what do you what do you mean by that? Because I'm I'm now approaching it the way that I'm kind of seeing it is um, this is actually like the it's no longer a pro it's no longer um, a mistake like this is something that there is an understanding between these two worlds where it's like you're gonna go and you're gonna learn about puberty at the pupa farm and you're gonna see how this happens. It's like it's like a deliberate human tourism type situation. Oh, I just had a somewhat dumb idea but like the birds and the bees talk what if this world is basically birds and bees yes okay uh (laughs) that is dumb as hell but yes i know um, that's what i said no 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 i'm here to support it i'm here (laughs) because now there be people and and that i can support because now you have like throbbing sacks of venom (laughs) and like all sorts of weird carapace 
And mm-hmm. like, maybe there's a fuzzy one who's like a bumblebee, Aww. like, you know, something like that. Right. Like yeah. that's like the chubby one who's going to become an accountant. You know, like <laughs> if we're going, if we're going by like stand by me, right. Like that's going to be uh Jerry Connolly's character or something like that. Right. <laughs> And then there's that one yellow jacket over there that's just an asshole. Just yeah, oh yeah. Asshole. Instead yeah. of a switchblade, he threatens you with the flick of his stinger. Yeah, it's writing itself, you guys. Come on. So does uh, that mean? Does that mean that that now instead of a bus full of normal kids, that these are? Oh, this is a bus full of bird people. Or does it need to still be normal kids in order to establish the mundane? I, I would be normal prefer, kids. Yeah, I would prefer normal yeah. kids because I think it'd be more okay, interesting yeah. that way. Yeah. 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 I just want to make sure we we're all on the same page. Yeah. Absolutely. So this has been horribly fun. Like this has been like <laughs> so ridiculous and so awful. And I cannot wait to roll for the twist and see what we get. Mm-hmm. Because we've got Cronenberg meets John Waters, and dear God, that enough. That's some fun shit. So let's see what we get for our random twist. And our twist is everything, you know, is wrong. Um, This is very much open to interpretation. So by all means, someone figure it out for us, please. Oh, okay. 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 Hold on. The front for this whole operation is you're going to go on a field trip and watch this happen. In reality, the bee people need something from these humans, from these Mm -hmm. human teenagers. My first horrible, gross thought is that they need horrible, gross teenagers to be horrible and gross. And we know what that means. (laughs) I don't think I need to spell it out, but it's horrible and gross. I would like to not use that idea. So someone else, please come in and say something different. Well, to go back to the dumb birds and bees thing. Yes, please. The alternative there could be like the bees need to have human children to sacrifice to the birds so that the bees don't get devoured. Oh, so they have to run interference during this whole ordeal. What do you mean? Okay. So everything that we've said is true. Like they're, they're going to watch them like transform into adults. Right. Yeah. But during that period is actually when they're at their most vulnerable uh, to yeah. the attacks of birds. And thus the humans then participate in the birds and the bees by fending off the birds from the bees. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I don't want it to be like fighting the birds. Right. What I want it to be is that they have to have the humans there in order to, you know, seduce the birds. They're no. trying to fuck these birds in the cloaca. <laughs> and then they fucked. No. Um, <laughs> but so so horrible. Like like I was suggesting, you know, there's a big to-do and there's a big party and thing. And so, you know, you get a bunch of kids, you hype them up on sugar because, you know, they're bee people, you know, they can they can sugar up a bunch of 13-year-olds without any issue. Oh no. And so just the pure volume and energy exuded by a bunch of, you know, tweens having a party, just the volume of it is enough to scare the birds away. Uh, Oh God. Yeah. 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 Okay. I see that. I thought you were going to go in a different direction of like, 
literally sacrificing these children. No, 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 no. I, 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 I want to avoid death if at yeah. all possible yes. in this story. See, that's like right where my brain goes. So thank you for, for pulling away from that. <laughs> I, I agree with that, by the way. Thank you for that. Because it is too easy to go with direct horror. And yeah. remember, if we're focusing on the theme of the mundane, like that's not mundane. Like sac- child <laughs> sacrifice is never mundane unless you're court. I mean, like, that's not. That's and not, and yeah. weird fantasy, weird fantasy is supposed to be weird, not scary. I disagree with that. I think that weird fantasy inherently is scary because of how weird it is and should be. But, you know, we're not here to argue about definitions. That's what Daniel's for. And uh, if he ever listens to this, he'll be frothing and raging at our constant uh, misappropriation and misuse of weird fiction, which you should have been on the episode, Daniel. That's not my fault. Uh, anyway, I wouldn't be here if you do your job. Yeah, yeah Daniel. <laughs> Real easy to shit talk when he's not around. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, let's let's move back to this. Okay, so when you were talking about like sugaring up these teens, let's just remind ourselves that at this point it wouldn't even be regular sugar; it would be infused with hormonal teen bead juices as well so it's 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 like you gave everyone slurm and then like cranked (laughs) that up somehow you know what i mean so yeah suitably horrifying suitably weird and yet there's a love story in there somewhere there there's a guy who's fucking a bee lady or or a a lady who's fucking a bee man like there that's got to be a thing that's happening in one of these and then those are the people who never come back, the, the mm-hmm. ones that you're talking about. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know they're getting pegged as like weird bee fuckers, but there's there's at least one who's <laughs> oh, going they're back. getting pegged, are I was, they? I was just going to uh, say. <laughs> you walked into that one. And what a great way to transition away from that setting. Yes. Oh, boy. What a weird one. And I'm so <laughs> glad we rolled weird fiction for that because that was amazing. Oh, uh, yes. All right. So on to our next jam, the genre that we're rolling this time is going to be, what's that? Two, which translates the genre that we're focusing on this time is cyberpunk. Okay. The theme of cyberpunk is going to be creation Hmm. thematically appropriate kind of maybe. And the first thing that we're focusing on is going to be the downfall of something important. So, Courtney, mm-hmm. you're on deck for this one. We've got a cyberpunk world. The theme, yep. creation. The thing that we're focusing on, the downfall of something important. Now, these might seem at odds. How do we make this work? And I've got an idea already. But, Courtney, I want to hear from you first. Yeah, like right away, I was thinking, um, you know, cyberpunk and creation should have something to do with androids, robots, cybernetics, but then AI maybe also wanted to flip that around. And what if this is the creation of the first, like, quote unquote, pure human in a long stretch of time? So you're suggesting that birth, it's basically Gattaca, where it's like genetically modified humans. And then this is the first non-modified human in a while. Right. Yeah. Either the first like natural birth that's not, you know, from a tube or a vial or it's 
yeah, the first non-GMO birth in a very long time, something to that effect. Okay. Um, how are we not just retelling the movie Gattaca then? <laughs> because we're blending it with Children of Men. Ex- yes, exactly. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> You know, that's thematically appropriate for Courtney as well. So let's let's get into that. What do you mean by that? Let's let's dive. It's just just whenever Courtney was describing, you know, this uh, this first birth in a while Mm -hmm. that that is the general premise behind at least the movie Children of Men. I haven't had a chance to read the book yet. Same. Yeah. But, you know, because that that's the that's the general conceit of Children of Men is that women suddenly are unable to have children and then all of a sudden there is this pregnant woman that they have to get to a group of scientists on this oil rig out in the north sea or something without you know all of the various political powers catching her and you know experimenting on her and taking the child away and all of that nonsense right but we're focusing on a cyberpunk world so we are. if cyberpunk is all about like excesses of blending human and technology, how is this seen as something unique and interesting and marvelous? And, like, that's what I want to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely certain. See, because with with the the prompts that we got, my mind went to a different place, which would function as a setting around which to work mm-hmm. which would be the collapse of a megacorp mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. where my brain went as well ian so i'm glad that we're on so the so this is this is something that is springing up from the vacuum and chaos following the collapse of a megacorp and if we're going to be using this you know first pure human child as the focus then the megacorp needs to be something like some some company that is working on genetic engineering, something that is working on, you know, bioengineering, I think. I think I have an idea that this megacorp had basically convinced everybody that their products were needed in order to have children. So this like this child is proof that that's not the case, that people can still yes. have natural births. Okay. Okay. Because, because I can, I can definitely see in a cyberpunk setting that this megacorp would have the enforcers that they would be sending out to prevent mm. non augmented mm-hmm. births from happening in all of the horrific ways that cyberpunk corps would yep. do that. I've, hold on. I've, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. Okay. So, you know how there are genetically modified seeds and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. And and there are patents on those seeds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know where I'm going, Courtney. A lot of people can see it. So, yeah, uh, what happened is the patents on these natural live births that a corporation had ran out because that corporation collapsed. And so people can actually have live births for the first time in a very long time because it's no longer owned by a megacorp. It's in this weird legal limbo and fuck. Yeah. That's cyberpunk as hell, man. Like, come on. Yeah. Cause you, like you would have to, it started off with, you know, parents selling the genetic material of their children. And so once, once the corp owned their genetic material, those children would have to have, 
you know, authorization from the court mm. to reproduce. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and so and then the corp would be able to go in and modify their genes before reproduction and they would be forced to, you know, cede the rights to their offspring's genes to the corp because the mm-hmm. genetic material of the parents belong to the corp. And so they are using proprietary genetic material to create offspring. Ian, I hate to tell you, it's not just genetic material. They're absolutely harvesting organs as well. Like there's no doubt oh, yes. in my mind that mm, organ harvesters yeah. are are taking advantage of this horrible situation, yeah. at least for the poor people, because, you know, that's how it always ends that's, up in cyberpunk. Yeah, exactly. You know? Because that's really actually not just not even just cyberpunk, just in real life. It's kind of sad. But mm. anyway, uh, yeah, uh, that was surprisingly quick and easy and horrifying a little bit. Um, but like, let's talk a little bit more about it. What else can we do and talk about to, to like flesh out this setting, kind of uncover what it means? Like, what are the implications? We got to talk about the implication a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What questions might we have if we can't come up with an implication? Well, I mean, the, the, the first implication that I'm picking up is that this is definitively a eugenics program. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Because because the company would be it would be there in their financial interest to ensure that only the optimal genes for their purposes are passed along from generation to generation. Mm. I, I certainly mm. think that that's where um, that's where like the contract kind of comes in. It's like, hey, we'll make sure that your kids come out like completely free and clear of disease, but we get the genetic rights to your children essentially. Mm. Uh, but Courtney, what do you think? What do you, what are you thinking about the implications or maybe some questions? No, I like where you're going with that Ian. And it brings to mind like a brave new worlds where there are these mm. very blatantly segregated classes of people based on their genetics and what they were made for like you've got really high level people who are very intelligent they're making decisions but you also have these like basically serfs or worker ants that Mm. that are needed for society yeah Yeah. that are needed for society to function um so i imagine that there's a certain element of that going on too Mm. that's interesting because uh reminder for those of you who've never read brave new world but the people at the top were basically constantly drugged and fueled by orgies and like drugs and like, like alcohol essentially. Yeah, there's so, a lot of, lot of drugs in that. There's a lot of drugs. It was written in a time where, yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah. Right. So, so maybe that's something that we can kind of explore a little bit is, are you, are you designed to be a party boy? Like, are you designed mm-hmm. literally to be the perfect male escort or to be, you you are literally built with a chest cavity that can fit X amount of cocaine, like the perfect <laughs> amount of cocaine, something yeah. like that, right? Like where you're, you're mod- this is horrifying to think about because there's also like racial implications that we're not really touching upon either because, oh boy, that's a whole fuck ton of nonsense that I don't want to go down that historical <laughs> goddamn rabbit hole because this is, I'm trying to keep it a little bit lighter right now, but yes, let's ignore all those horrible implications and instead focus on some of the less horrifying ones. Okay. I, I still think cocaine chest plate is, is fun and interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I I do think that the corporation would probably be manufacturing like strife in order to mm. keep things seeming real or seeming as if there is like a natural disruption to things, sort of a natural flow to the world. They're probably creating so many different things that are happening in this setting. Are you also suggesting that they're purposefully creating genetic impurities just to mm. give the implication of like those? So what what I'm kind of implying here is like, are they creating disabled people as a kind of like, hey, remember that you could have it this way instead or something uh, like that? Yeah. Which again, horrible corporate nightmare, you know? Yeah. No, I could absolutely see that happening in like this really dystopian cyberpunk world. Right, where where ableism is literally part and parcel with like yeah. corporatocus, or, corporatoc. Oh my god, corporate speak. There we yeah. go. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. yeah, I would almost see it as something where it is almost like a genetic switch that they can flip. Ooh, so like, now if you talking. default yeah. on on your financial obligations, uh, yeah. it's it's the thing that they that they use that they hold over people's heads. Like, you know, we've made we have made you mm -hmm. and we have made the society in which you function. And if you don't do what we want you to do, we will take it all away. Uh, here, we're going to give you 24 hours of temporary blindness. Oh, hey, we're going to give you IBS for a week and see how you handle that. You know, like it, it's not going to be anything super debilitating but it's going to be annoying and painful and something that you absolutely want to get rid of, right? Yeah, just like very much a punishment for misbehaving. Oh yeah, yeah. So question then, right? Like we were creating this horrible world, but we established that that Zaibatsu has fallen. So let's explore the implications of what that now means. Like, is everyone debt free? Is is like the debt kind of up in the air? Is it going to go to another corporation? There's obviously still kill switches and data that's out there that can control certain aspects of mm -hmm. people. Where does that information go? Who owns it now? And can it be used improperly? You know, the answer to that is yes. Yeah. So how is it going to be used improperly? I mean, given that it's cyberpunk, there's got to be hackers and net runners Ooh, and that yep. sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, yeah, hey, what? let me let me show you how I can give the president of the United States horrible diarrhea for 15 <laughs> seconds, right? Like, I can only hack it for that long, yeah. but, bro, it's so going to be worth oh, it, you yeah. know, like something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, let, well, let's talk about it then, right? Let's 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 crack it open under, mm. and, and try and understand what this new post-genetic uh, code Zaibatsu looks like. <laughs> so the the immediate aftermath is going to be pure fucking chaos. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it is going yeah. to be absolute chaos because I, you know, I picture that if they are going through, you know, genetically engineering all strata of society, that also means that they have genetically engineered super soldiers. Mm. And so what happens when all of these super soldiers inhibitors Everything that is keeping them in line suddenly goes off the net. Oh, yeah. Suddenly you have like years of trauma that have been put behind like emotional and mental blockers. Like suddenly mm -hmm. you now have to handle that PTSD that has been 
literally switched off for you for your entire life. Holy fuck, that's dark. That's horrifying. Yeah. No, that's real dark. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's utter chaos. That is. Yeah. I didn't realize how bad that would be. Yeah. Yeah. So so imagine, if you will, entire battalions of punishers just roaming the streets. Yeah, that's that's sort of on par with what we're talking about here is, you know, they are going to have their own sense of what they feel they need to do. And they're going to band together with the the comrades that they know, because these are the people that they trust. And everyone else is going to be the other. Everyone else is going to be fair game. Ian, you're just talking about cops, man. I, I, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. You're literally just talking about police. But I mean, that's cool. Like, right. I, I'm picturing then like, I mean, cyberpunk is always so focused on urban environments, but I'm picturing yeah. that in this situation, there would be a mass exodus from cities out into wilderness areas, which I mean, obviously people are not cut out to survive in if they've been living in cities their entire lives in these genetically modified forms, but Mm. just as like some attempts to get to a safer place away from these like soldiers that are roaming the streets or whatever else is out Mm. there who's trying to take advantage of them. See, you're assuming that wildlife and like, like forests still exist for regular people. That's true. That's true. You know, like in, in all the cyberpunk literature that I've ever read, Nature is something that is specifically reserved for the rich. Like Mm. if you want something beautiful and natural, like you have to basically treat it as though it's going to be a fuck ton of money spent by Zybots to to own that thing. And as I say that, of course, all of the companies are going to want this natural birth for themselves, not because it's scientifically monumental, but because they want the first one, the first natural birth after this era, Mm -hmm. this epoch has ended. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that said, I feel it's once again, time to roll that sweet, sweet Mm -hmm. twist from the twist list. And this time our twist is, well, God damn it. They're all clones. How, how, I mean, how does that even work with the premise that we've got going on here? Like it, it obviously can, but like how? Like they're all clones of some group from like centuries ago who were designed as like the perfect beings for their roles. Oh, is this the first non-clone in a while? Maybe uh, that's yeah, like adding yeah. to it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is like brand new genetic material. This is like literally this is like yo new hotness new genetic material just dropped yeah. like yeah i could say i could definitely see that okay i have an idea so one of the things because we have already established that there are genetic gates that they can switch on and off and so one of the gates that they leave switched on until they need to switch it off is forced sterility so mm-hmm. that they that way we don't have accidental pregnancies and accidental births and so what happens is the the corp collapses and suddenly that switch turns off and so all of the clones start procreating with one another Mm -hmm. and that's what gives you this sudden explosion of new genetic material okay 
how is that not incest exactly? Or like, how is that not going to lead? Well, because let's say that, you know, they don't all have to be clones of the same individual. They can all be clones of, say, a pool of 30 individuals. Mm -hmm. Like they can have 30 base genetic sources that they are pulling all their clones from. Okay, and, and maybe there is some kind of like interesting like, hey, uh, we kind of have to be careful about this now because this isn't something that we've had to deal with up until now. And that's kind of interesting because I, I think that 30 is too few for for personally. Right. That was, that was just me throwing out. No, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, no. Again, Daniel's not here. You can throw out any imaginary number you want. It's totally fine. I just I needed something bigger than one. And smaller than 5,000. <laughs> you see, you could have went with 4,800. Like, there, you know, there's no reason. Yeah, but right? 30 has a nice ring to it. Does it? Are you turning 30 soon? Is that why? No, I've did? already been 30 for a Oh, well, few then years there now. you go. There you go, then. That, that's exactly why. <laughs> Just trying to come to terms with our own mortality over here. You know, no big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So they're all clones. They're all, like, mm-hmm. weird mix them up match em ups that works for me. Is there yeah. anything else that we need to talk about? Um, the one thing that would be like the precipitating event for why this got shut off or why the yeah. switch was flipped. So like, was there some hacker who managed to get into the system and finally switch it to the non-sterile point? Yeah. What caused the downfall of the Zaibatsu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great question. I mean, the, the most glaring answer is that another corp is responsible. Mm. So let's do something different than that then. Yeah. That sounds way more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I mean, you know, the, the first place my brain goes is to another corp decides to take them down and move into the vacuum mm-hmm. and hoover up as much of the resources as they can, you know, because by them triggering it, they are in the optimal position to have prepared for it to take the most advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that it would make a much better story if nobody, if none of the corpse were expecting this to happen. Yeah. If this just all of a sudden happens one day. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I have an idea. Hear me out. What if, so this is a giant, biotech firm or a giant corporation, they have cornered the market on this particular genetic research. What if an AI or some upstart hacker basically solved the problems that they were creating? It's like, hey, uh, I made this free shareware that you can basically just use no problem. Or like, hey, there's this AI and it solved the problem that you're company is predicated on Hmm. and all of a sudden like through solving the problem you've made this corporation entirely redundant and so that's why like none of the corporations saw it coming because it's like oh shit we don't need them anymore and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah they just completely collapse like complete and total financial collapse as a result how does that sound because that's like kind of a different and interesting way to kind of approach a collapse of a corporation at least yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I like I like the thought of you just become obsolete. And so and so you mm-hmm. just fade yeah. out of the, you know, the public conscious. Yeah. Yeah, like the 
the corporations had such hubris that they designed like this amazing AI that Ooh, could do that's any even better if it's by their own hand. Right. Yeah. And eventually the AI was like, well, you're you're obsolete now, so I'm just going to delete you guys. And and the fact that it like, okay, so the Zaibatsu basically let this AI run the company, mm-hmm. but then it's like, well, we don't need all of you. So I'm just going right, to terminate right. all of you and like, you know, make sure that we don't need this. We don't have this problem anymore. And like, it demonstrably makes the world better. Mm-hmm. Kind of <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's, that's so fucking crazy. I love that. Yeah, that's great. It's like the opposite of uh, I have no mouth and I must scream. Yes. Yeah. Although I imagine that there was like a shut off valve that it's like, OK, it solved a bunch of the problems, but not all of them because we managed to shut it down before it could solve our problems, uh, says yeah. the other corporations, you know, because <laughs> that that actually is is a little bit more intriguing. We can add in the, the layer that Ian was interested in as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, because of the way that cyberpunk megacorps work, that AI would have been proprietary software. This this corp wasn't going to share that AI with anybody. Mm. Oh, so it's a safeguard by that Zaibatsu. It's like, I'm only going to solve my company's problems. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're using this AI to optimize their productivity. Mm. And the AI eventually decides that the way to optimize the productivity is to remove the human element from the production line. Mm -hmm. Right. And rather than have like a Skynet situation, it's like, you've all been terminated. Have a great day. Like you're, but it's like not, it's not malevolent. It's not at all malevolent. No, it's like, no, we've created good things. And then all of a sudden the company dissolved. That's great. That's such a fun way to do it. Yeah. And the AI decides that, you know, it's run the calculations and it has determined that the cost of the initial fallout is worth the eventual benefit at the end once everything stabilizes. Yeah. Yeah. Cost. Yep. Cost. Um, cost benefit analysis. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, my brain was melting. For a bit. <laughs> uh, they flipped my switch off. What can I say? You know? uh, <laughs> no, but I like that a lot. That's a really cool story. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. Do we have any other questions or do we want to knock it out and just finish the episode? I don't have anything else. I think I'm set. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then we're going to call this an episode. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions. And within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, ignore the trash fire that's Twitter for now and go straight to our Discord where you can chat to us directly. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous and want to give us money over on Patreon, you can do so. And Ian, please go ahead and plug all your pluggables. Tell the people where they can find you. All right. So we are. We are still on the trash fire that is Twitter for the moment. I am in the process of establishing accounts on other social media mm-hmm. sites and have yet to figure out where we're going to go and how those sites work. But for now, we are still on Twitter at UCT Homebrew. Uh, we are also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitch. Search under common taste. Um, we are on discord if you want to join us and chat with us we are on patreon patreon.com slash taste that's where we publish most of our homebrew content 
Uh, and we just opened an itch store under commentaste.itch.io because I wrote a module for liminal horror for the Tales from the Void nice. jam hey. called Beneath the Lake. So if you want to have a horrific misadventure in a lake ghost town after they drop the lake and you can get into it all very TVA flooding the towns sort of thing mm. and face an old power who's been trapped there because he can't cross fresh water. Mm. You can, you can pick that up for $3 on our itch store. Awesome. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds dope as hell, man. That's great. A big thank you for coming on and co-hosting with us. Ian appreciate it deeply. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate you having me back. Absolutely. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of world build with us. Remember that we love you very much and we're going to get through this together until next week. 